morning, we're continuing. I've said this before, and I really don't exaggerate when I say it. Every time we begin a new series, how many of you have heard me say, this is perhaps either the most or one of the most important things we'll ever teach? It's just, it's just, what about the Word of God does not fall into that category? Can you say amen? Okay. But there's something special and really something unique about this study that the Holy Spirit has given to us. You notice I did not say that I've decided to teach. This is God's class. And so the Holy Spirit has given to us a study of these I am statements of the Lord Jesus. And I don't know, I always wrestle within myself, what's the most important thing? And I know that when it comes to the Word of God, that's always a dangerous question. Because what it tends to do, it tends to relegate certain aspects of the person and ministry of God himself through the Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It tends to relegate certain aspects to one category, another higher or low. You know, you know how it is? We all think certain ways. And we all have to be very, very careful about that. Because when we're talking about especially this man, we are talking about, if you would, a comprehensive revelation of God. A comprehensive revelation of God. That all that God desires to reveal about himself is contained in this man. Do you, do you understand that? All that God intends to say about himself, what God the Father intends to say about himself, about his purpose. All of it is contained within the words of this man. Everything that God intends to demonstrate about himself is demonstrated in this man. Now, I'm not sure if we think that way or we understand that. But to the place that we don't, we need to be asking the Holy Spirit, cause my understanding and my experience of who you are, O oh Lord, to be understood within the comprehensive revelation of God himself in Christ. Correct? So, as we look at the I am statements, I'll from time to time say this is whatever and, what, and I don't mean to raise or lower one aspect or another, but at least to emphasize something unique about every aspect because there's absolutely something unique about everything of Jesus and everything that he says and everything that he does. 
What's unique about it? This is God himself in human form communicating himself to us. Amen? And that's absolutely unique in any and every category and in every sense. So last week we introduced our study of the I am statement. If you did not get here last week or if you did not listen, let me please, please encourage you to be keeping up online if you're unable to be here on Sunday mornings. Please keep up. Please keep up. So we started talking about this. And you remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has gathered the disciples around him. We're a couple, three years into the ministry by now. They're in Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked the guys, hey, in view of everything that's been going on, all the things that I've been doing and all the crowds and all the, the, the people who love it, all the people who hate it, all the people who understand it, don't understand it, are criticized, you know, what, in view of all this, what are folks saying about me? What are folks saying about me? And so Darlene, the disciples, give them several answers, right? They say this, that, and the other. What was Jesus after? He was getting to what place? What do you say about me, Susan? What do you say about me? Bridget, what do you say about me? You see, what do you, each one of you, say about this man? Who is this man? When we're given an opportunity to evangelize or share the gospel with someone, anybody have that opportunity from time to time? Let me encourage you not to speak generally or generically, just in general about what do you think about God? Please don't ever ask that question. Do you believe in God? Don't ask the question. The Bible's already told you everybody believes in God. Even them who say they don't. They're lying or they're ignorant. They do believe in God. Just read Romans 1. Verses 19, 18 and 19 and 20. So what's the question to ask them, Gail? If you want to know Anything about that person's understanding of faith? Do you believe what Jesus said about himself? Because, Tammy, what's the next question going to be? What's the next question? Well, what is he saying? You see, Ray, do you believe what Jesus says about himself? That's what you ask. That's the important thing. Not do you go to church and, you know, do you whatever. So this morning, the most important question for you, Joseph, is this. Do you believe what Jesus said about himself? Because on the day that we stand before the Lord, that will be essentially the question upon which we enter or do not enter heaven. Now, I understand there's theological difficulty with that statement, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So in order to better understand well, here's the difficulty that we have. I'm trying to get to my notes. When we read these I am statements in the New Testament, we're reading them, generally speaking, in fair ignorance of their roots. 
Where do they come from? What is Jesus actually saying here? I am the bread of life. Okay, I've read that. I am the door. Okay, I am the shadow. Okay, fine. Now, let's face it. Does that sound astounding to us? Come on, just be real. How many of you say, oh, my. How many? It takes your breath away, Anne-Marie, when you hear that, right? No. Have you ever had your breath taken away when you read, and I am the light of the world? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we so, it's so, because we're not listening to it within the context of Judaism, within the context of 4,000 years of God's revelation and work and manifestation to his people, the Jewish people. So in order to understand the content and the intent and the impact of what Jesus says here, what we need to do is go to the equivalent words from the Old Testament spoken by the God of Israel himself. So we need to take what Jesus says and go into the Tanakh. They'll say what? The Tanakh is the Jewish term for the Old Testament. And I use that term because when you're speaking to a Jewish person, don't say Old Testament. That's a slap in his face. Say the Tanakh. That's the Old Testament. Their scriptures called the Tanakh. So when you go into the Tanakh and look at what God himself says about himself, how he references himself, then you see we begin to get a glimpse of the astonishing profundity, profoundness, the audacity of what this human being is saying about himself. Because you remember when Jesus is walking around, people are not saying, look, God, God, what are they saying, Skipper? He's a man. I knew his mom and them. I bought some furniture from them, Patsy. Oh, yeah, they were in the restaurant the other day. He's a man, Harold. So let's see what he says. Now, there are a couple of things we need to understand as we move forward to help us to understand it better. By the time of Jesus, the Tanakh had been translated from the original Hebrew into the Greek called the Septuagint. Some of you may have heard that. Doesn't, the details of that is not, are not important at this point. But, so the, the scriptures that the Jewish people had and read and studied were written in Greek. And also, as we probably know, the New Testament was also written in what language? Greek, Koine Greek, the common Greek, the Greek that everybody spoke. So what we need to do is look at the Greek translation of Jesus' words, I am, to see if they line up with the same Jewish Greek translation of the Tanakh. Are you following me here? And so 
What is the translation? What is the Greek for I am? You probably have it in your notes somewhere. Ego amy. Not ego, but ego amy. It is where the word ego comes from. What ego has to do with I, amy, is the to be verb. Remember the intransitive verbs and, and all of that in English. I know you didn't study it, but you should have, you see. And so what we're going to need to do is to do this, to see the impact and the import of what Jesus is saying about himself. We need to look at his ego amy statements and look into the Old Testament to see the equivalent ego amy statement that is spoken by the God of Israel himself to look at these and compare and let's see what he is saying about himself. So I have several verses down here. Are they in your notes? Okay, so let me just, let's read through them. Deuteronomy 32, 39. The Lord is speaking. He says, see now that I, what? Ego. Even I, ego, am Amy. And there is no God with me. So do you see how ego Amy is used by God himself? I am ego Amy. And when the Lord speaks this ego Amy, he's not doing what other people say ego Amy. You see, Patrick, if you were in those days and read literature or read the Bible, there's a lot of ego Amy's going on. I am here, ego Amy. But that's Joe Blow saying something. But when God says ego Amy, it takes on an absolute cosmic meaning. Because remember, when he says, I am, he is announcing himself as the everlasting, ever-existent, sovereign God of creation. He is the only one in Scripture who has the right and the authority to say about himself, I am. I am. I am the self-existent God of glory. That's what he's saying about himself. And the Jewish people understood that. And so, in Deuteronomy 32, 39, look at what it says. Take note. And you might even want to underline the last part of that. See now that I, ego, even I, he's repeating himself. If you didn't get it the first time, I, even I, ego, am, ego, Amy. And there, you see, I just, I am. You am what? I am. You are what? I am. Who are you? I am. And what is he saying? There is no God with me. What does that mean? That God alone is God. Keep that in your mind. Look at the next scripture. Isaiah 42, 8. I, ego, am the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew or in the Greek Septuagint, God often does not say am, and sometimes he does. So he just may say, I, God. It's the same thing. It's understood. For instance, you know what an elliptical clause is? I am taller than him. Incorrect grammar. I am ta taller than what? Than he. 
What is understood? I am taller than he is tall is understood. So when you say he, even though you don't say he is tall, it is understood. I am taller than he. She is better looking than I. Now, I know it sounds strange when she's better looking than me. No, she's better looking than I am looking. Right? So it's that understanding here. Isaiah 42, 8. I, Ego, am the Lord. There, that is my name. I will give my glory to no one else, to another. Make sure you remember that verse. Extremely important. Extremely important. Because we're going to see a man walking upon the earth who is claiming for himself the glory that is due only to God himself. When he uses the word I am. So those two passages alone are sufficient for us to get the profundity and the depth of what Jesus is saying. So Isaiah 42, 8. Nobody else gets the glory except myself. We'll warn the bank. That's how you. Yeah, this is Charlie. He's a thief. Now, <laughs> 4310 of Isaiah. I am ego Amy who blots out. Blot your transgressions from mine own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 46, 4. I, and even to your old age, I am. Isaiah 48, 12. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I have called. I am, ego, Amy. I, ego, am the first. I, ego, am the last. Listen to me, Israel. I am, I first, I last. What is understood? The am. Now, that's what the Jewish people understood about God. That's their teaching. That's their heritage. That's the very foundation upon which monotheism exists. Do you know what monotheism is? The worship of what? One God. And that's what the command, the great command of Israel, the great proclamation, the great, uh, what do you call it? testimony. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. Or only the Lord is God. You can translate it that way too. So they are a monotheistic people. That's what these verses are proclaiming. So let's see what Jesus says. Now with all those statements in mind, let me just read through a few passages from the New Testament with which we're generally familiar. Remember the woman at the well. They're talking about you had five husbands and the one you'd have now. And, and who are you? A prophet? I, I understand you're a prophet. And so I'm chit-chatting about that. And the woman says, I know that Messiah or Christ is coming. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Okay. I know that the Messiah is coming. Listen to what Jesus says. I who speak to you am. Ego Amy. 
do you understand? Do you begin to feel what this man is saying about himself? Now, let's stop for a moment. What kind of a man says that? You see, this is not something you can just take or leave. All eternity rests on the truth, the validity of what Jesus says. I who speak to you am. No telling what that woman felt, what she experienced. Can you imagine the scriptures that are going through her mind when he says this? <gasps> Come meet a man who told me everything about myself. And not only that, but what? A man who has announced himself as the God of our fathers. What do you think she felt? You see, when we read these things, we, these statements, we pass over them, don't we? Put yourself in her place. How would you respond? John 6, 20. Jesus said to them, remember he's walking on the water. Ah, it's a ghost. He says, don't be afraid. Ego Amy. I am. He's the God of the Old Testament who comes to his people over the waters. We'll get into some of that later. 824. Now listen to this one. Unless you believe that ego Amy, I am, you will what? You will die in your sin. Now there is the irrevocable truth about Christianity. Our salvation rests upon one thing. Do I believe in a receiving faithful way that Jesus himself is? I am. Do you believe that? John 8, 58. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm going to go back to that one. Look at John 18, 4 through 8. Jesus is being arrested. There's a cohort of soldiers. That's 100 soldiers coming after him. They know he's done all kind of miracles, so they don't, they don't want to take any chance. These are battle soldiers. And Jesus says, whom do you seek? All these people around. Now, he knows. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does he say? I am. What happens? What does it say? They all fell back. The power of the name of God. As Jesus announces himself as I am, these soldiers fall to the ground. He said to them, I am. They drew back and fell to the ground. Therefore, he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, he said, I told you. I am. I am. Now, let's go back to John 8, 58 and 59. What's happening here? Let's get a glimpse of the Jewish response. In John 8, 58, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was or was born, 
I am. Now, what do these men do, these leaders? What is their response? What does verse 59 tell you? They did what? They picked up stones in order to kill him. Why? Why? Because, you see, they understood that Jesus' I am statement was the same statement that God himself says about himself. And they understood that this man, his self-reference, that he is claiming to be in some way, they don't understand it all, equal with God. He is claiming to be in some way another God with God. Now, theirs is a what? Monotheistic faith. They believe in only one God, and they are correct. And so when Jesus comes and uses the same personal identification language, I am, ego amy, what they hear him say is that I also am God. Now, what would that cause you to think? Wow. He's totally undercutting and destroying monotheism. He's proclaiming idiotheism, two gods, and maybe more. We can't have this. This is blasphemy. It's heresy. So they picked up stones to destroy him, correct? Now, the question is, were they correct in doing so? You see, we, we have to get ourselves into the same mentality. If the preacher on Sunday morning in this church stood before you and said, I am God. How many of us would say, yeah, okay. It was a pretty good sermon. Hey, look, I didn't fall asleep this morning. Steve, you know, I th- he said a few things, and <laughs> I'm not quite sure and understand. But what, what would you do, brother, if he said, I am God? What would you do? What would you personally do? Tell me. You'd walk out. And then when you got home, you would instruct your family what? What that man said is a lie. How many of you would stay in and listen to the rest of the sermon? Some of you would. <laughs> You want to know where he's going. (laughs) Nick knows where he's going. Wendy, do you see this? If I stood up in school of the word one morning and said, I am the unique son of God. Come on, what would you think? Nate, what would you think? Seriously, what would you think if I said I'm God? I'd be, take your breath away, wouldn't it? Mike, would you stay in the class? If any of you were accepting of that, shame on you, correct? Why? Because it's a lie. Do you understand or see something about their reaction? Pharaoh, do you see what, 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 you see, Skip, it's the right reaction. 
in one way, they are correct. What this man says, if he is a mortal, mere man, is blasphemy. But the curious thing is, suppose Jesus had not said it. Have you ever thought of that? Suppose he had not said, I am. There's the blasphemy. Are you with me, Donnie? Are you with me this morning? Suppose Jesus would not have claimed to be who he truly was. That's blasphemy. Are we seeing this this morning? So they're ready to stone the man because of what he says. You see, Jesus was breaking the command in Exodus 20, verse 7. What does it say? Remember the Lord met with his people. He announced who he was. He'd been gracious to them. And he says what? You shall have no other gods before me. That's the command, period. All the rest, nine, elaborate on that one command. That's the command. All the others elaborate on it. It's essentially not ten commands. It is, but you know what I mean. So what's the command after that one? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God, what? In vain. In other words, you shall not lie about who I am and about who you are in reference to me. And they heard that, Liam. They heard in this man, Jesus, proclaiming, taking the name of the Lord in vain. They heard him say that. And in fact, if he isn't who he says he is, he should have been stoned. As I said, not to make the claim would have been speaking falsely in the name of the Lord. So, exactly what was Jesus saying about himself with this ego Amy in these ego Amy statements? What precisely is he saying about himself? What we'll do, not next week, we're not having School of the Word next week, the men's retreat, so there'll be a prayer time in here, and I think, Krisha, I think you're leading it. So for many of those of you who are able to come next Sunday morning for prayer, please do so. Please be praying for the old preacher who will carry the word to the congregation. The week after next, and I think that's what, February 5th, is it, or something like that? We'll look at and try to, well, sorry, wrong word. We will see what the Lord tells us about what is Jesus actually saying about himself that is so breathtaking and so quizzical and so astounding. What is he saying about himself? Okay. So hopefully this begins to contextualize for us the profundity of profundity of these words because as we go through this without a predicate remember there's no reference to anything else as we begin to study I am the bread of life I am the door I am the shepherd then we'll begin to see everything that Jesus has said about I am alone without anything else begins to be now enlarged or described in particular ways as he gives reference to this I am as a proof or a demonstration let me show you why I say I am, and let me show you the proof of that. And then he begins to make certain claims that are already illustrated in the Old Testament. Always, 
always saying that which has already been spoken. No new revelation here. No new revelation. It's the fulfillment of what has been revealed in the Old Testament, correct? So be encouraged. Come back in two weeks. But if you can make it next Sunday, be here for those of you who are not at the men's retreat. Thank you.